Yes, people, this is the Choker Room. It's Monday. I'm Brett Hammer. Halloween just ended, which means we're pre-gaming for Thanksgiving, which is honestly in the debate for greatest holiday of the year, so I am so excited. I apologize for being a little bit inconsistent. It's just tough right now, but we're working through it. We're going to make it through. Okay, so coming up, LeBron is doing what he does every year, so there's no reason to panic. Three absolute nobodies came for major upsets yesterday in the NFL, and the AP poll got college football all wrong this weekend, so I'm going to help y'all fix it. As always, love y'all for hanging out. Thank you so much. Technology is working. We're doing all good. I got working on a new laptop, which had to figure that out but it's all good and as you probably heard we got a new sponsor anchor we got a couple more coming up so that'll be fun other exciting news before my life turned into a mess we had a couple of really dope interviews in the works a kid who just got drafted by the boston or baltimore Orioles, sorry a couple weeks ago and uh he actually ended up having a grand slam and two home runs in the same game just a few months ago so he's a stud we also had a designer over at Nike who works with a bunch of celebrities and athletes, super cool guy. And then on top of that, I got off the phone a couple weeks with a major broadcaster in the NFL and does all kinds of other sports. You definitely know who he is. Um, and he's agreed to come on the podcast at some point, so we're going to get that all worked out. So a lot of good things coming up. But first, I wasn't going to lead the show with this, but I'm just so appalled at the way everyone else looks at college football. So... I'm going to do it my own way, and I'm going to let you know how it's supposed to be done because college football, I feel like, is the most – to me, it's the most exciting thing going on. I, I Like, I love the NFL, but Sunday, I don't know. Sunday's my lazy day. Saturday is my sports day, and I just – I don't know. To me, I love watching sports. That's my excitement. That's my workout for the week. I got to pay attention because there's so much going on, and you have so many people on upset alert like this last week. So – I'm just not as into the NFL. I love the NFL, and obviously I talk about it. And obviously I watch it, so I know I know what I'm doing. But if there's one thing I think I know, I think it's college football, and I think it's how I know how the committee works. And that's why I'm pretty sure my, uh, my, top, my top teams is going to look a lot like what you're going to see on Tuesday night when the college football playoff committee reveals their top 25. But I'm not going to give you top 25 because I don't care about people who have no chance making the playoffs. Sorry. All right, so here's the deal. So we had a pretty big game this weekend between Penn State and Ohio State. We had Florida coming for an upset alert on Georgia. We had Cincinnati on upset alert. We had the Michigan-Michigan State game. So there was a lot to have happened, and Kentucky was also upset, which is kind of a big deal, and I'll tell you why in a second. Okay, if we're going to talk about college football, there's a couple of things that matter. And there's a couple of things that you have to understand. The committee doesn't really care about Cinderella stories are a lot different in basketball than they are in football because, and honestly, same with baseball. Cause think about it. Like the Atlanta Braves are a great example. Okay. The Atlanta Braves went out and I, if you don't care about baseball, just trust me, I'm coming back to it, but you should care about baseball because my Atlanta Braves are hopefully going to win the, win the world series if they don't blow this three, two lead. But we'll find out here tomorrow night on Tuesday. But you should all probably watch if you're a true American who hates cheating because the Astros are the scum of the earth. I digress. When we're talking about Cinderella teams, that, those don't matter to the committee, and here's why. Because in baseball and basketball, 
you can get hot and you can win a couple games, especially with baseball. And I'm, and I'm not degrading the sport, but it's a different sport because it's very, the odds I would say are nearly minuscule that a no-name school like a middle Tennessee state is ever going to upset Alabama. And do not give me the, oh, well, Texas A&M beat Alabama. Yeah, but do you understand that going into the game with Arkansas, Texas A&M had the number one defense in the country? Like, their defensive line was more efficient and more productive than Georgia. Okay? So, Texas A&M is not full of scrubs. Texas A&M just happened to lose their starting quarterback, and Zach Calzada had a really good game. But... They're, they also had, I believe, the number two receiver in the... So, yeah, don't give me the Alabama-Texas A&M thing. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Alabama versus nobody. And the reason why is because football, of all the American sports that we have, is the most dynamic when you talk about man-on-man, one-on-one, me against you, straight up. Okay? So... The, the committee does not care about teams who have no chance winning. And I think that's why what you're going to see. So I'm going to get, this is the, this is the top. I'm going to give you the top 15 that the AP came out with, even though I don't really think it matters. Okay. So 15 is Ole Miss. 14 is Baylor. 13 is Texas A&M. 12 is Auburn. 11 Oklahoma State. 10 is Wake Forest. 9 is Michigan. 8 Notre Dame. 7 Oregon. 6 Ohio State. 5 Michigan State. 4 Oklahoma. 3 Alabama. Number 2 Cincinnati. And number 1, of course, who else? Go Dogs. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you my top 7. I honestly tried to do a top 8 for you, but I just don't think that anyone after seven has any chance of winning this thing or even making the playoffs. That's why I didn't do it. Okay. So number seven, we got Oregon. Oregon still a controls their destiny in the pac 12. So they can win their conference championship and B they have the one-on-one head to head matchup with Ohio state, which they won, which is super important because we know the committee cares about that stuff. They care about who you beat. And especially if who you beat happens to also be gunning for us another spot. Okay, so number seven, I have Oregon. Number six, I have Cincinnati. This is why I have Cincinnati. There are going to be some people who tell you that being undefeated is the thing that matters the most. And while I do believe that being undefeated matters, I don't believe that it matters as much as how good of a football team do you actually have. Because I would be willing to put money... If you put Kentucky, honestly, I think every SEC team in the top 25 right now could beat Cincinnati. I think most of the top, most of the big 10 teams in the top 25 right now could beat Cincinnati. And here's why. And I, and I, and I would say the same thing about Oklahoma. Here's Cincinnati's issue. And it's the same thing. And I, and I'll, I'll spoil a little bit for Oklahoma going ahead, but I think the committee is sick of games in the playoffs that are steamrollers, right? Oklahoma does this to us every single year. Oklahoma has maybe the most dynamic offense in the country because they usually get the best wide receivers and they usually have the number one quarterback. Going back to Baker, they had Kyler, and then they had Spencer Rattler, who's actually pretty decent last year. Now they have Caleb Williams, who's the number one in his class. The And nearly every year... We have a game where somebody gets steamrolled in these two playoff games. One of them is usually close and one of them is a blowout. 
And not only is that not entertaining, but what the not entertaining aspect means is less money because if it's less entertaining, there's less people watching. Less people watching means less money. Less money. Well, I don't even need to go into that for you. So Cincinnati's issue is, first of all, you barely beat Navy. I don't need to say any more about that. Here's the other thing. You might say, oh, wait, I remember Tulane. They played in a close game with Oklahoma. Yeah, that's my issue with Oklahoma. Tulane was ahead of Cincinnati at in the end of the first half. Now, I believe Cincinnati ended up taking that lead back, but they played an entire close half with, do you know what Cincinnati is right now? They're one in seven. A football team that has won one football game. And it's not like this is a big SEC powerhouse. They're not a Big Ten powerhouse. They're not even in the Big 12. Okay? Tulane is absolutely nobody. And if you are going to go toe-to-toe with a nobody, that tells me you cannot go toe-to-toe with anybody. Right? Like, I get the whole Desmond Ritter's really good and they have a lockdown corner and Jerome Ford is a stud. But... You played so well. Like it's the it's the whole argument that even even the UCF team, um, however many years ago it was when they beat Auburn in the, in the Peach Bowl. The UCF was like they were steamrolling everyone they played. And to me, the eye test matters more than anything else. Cause I think Penn State, even though they are what, like three losses now? A three loss Penn State team, I think, is rolling Cincinnati. Why? Because the eye test would tell you, man, Penn State could keep up with Ohio State, who the committee has ranked at six. Cincinnati couldn't keep up with Tulane or Navy, who committee doesn't give any respect to at all because they suck. Okay, so Cincinnati, I think they're probably going to lose to SMU here. And I don't even like SMU that much, but I think it'll just validate what we believe about Cincinnati, just that they're not that good. And it's not your fault you're not that good. There is this elitist mentality that applies to college football. If you're not in a power five conference, odds of you being that talented aren't that good, especially with the way that the conferences is going. Okay. So Cincinnati, you're barely at number six in my book. And I only put you there because the committee has you at two, but I think they lose to SMU. And if they get into the playoffs, they're going to get steamrolled by anyone they play. I understand that they played Georgia last year. But A, Georgia's a lot better than they were last year because that Georgia team they beat didn't even go to their conference championship. And the Cincinnati team is a lot worse than they were last year. Okay, number five, Ohio State. There's something to be said, again, about this elitist mentality, the brand. My uncle who works for Nike says there you have this running joke around all of Nike that you could slap a Nike swoosh on a garbage bag and people would still pay a stupid amount of money for it. That's the same thing with Ohio State. You can slap Ohio State, that brand, on any one of their teams, and it immediately gains you like two or three spots in the rankings. Look, I told you before, I don't think CJ Stroud is that good. I think Chris Olave is that good. I think Garrett Wilson's that good. And I think Jeremy Ruckert is that good. I also don't think Ryan Day is that good, but their jury is still out on that, okay? This is Ohio State's issue. You were in a very close game 
with Penn State, who is now at three losses and lost to Illinois. Again, I think I think Penn State's defense is that good. I I don't think Sean Clifford is anything right worth writing home about. But Ohio State's issue is they got a tough schedule coming up. They're gonna have to play Michigan. They're gonna have to play Michigan State, and they're gonna have to play in the the Big Ten championship. This is gonna be the issue with the Big Ten. We are pretty sure at this point that Alabama is gonna get or that the SEC is gonna get two teams in. Because as a Georgia fan, I find it, I would be ecstatic if we beat Alabama in the SEC championship, which I don't see happening, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think even if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship, Alabama, I believe, still gets in. Because let's not forget, 2017, Alabama made it into the national championship, got voted into the playoffs. And they did not even, not only did they not win the SEC championship, they did not even play in the SEC championship. And they came back and beat Georgia. So what Alabama has told you is, we can do whatever we want in the regular season. We will still compete in the playoffs. Which, again, that's what the committee cares about because they want entertaining football games. And Bryce Young being a Heisman candidate helps that a lot. Okay, So Ohio State is at 5 Oklahoma is at four. Now, you're going to give me, okay, well, Oklahoma's played a lot of close games with a lot of really crappy teams too, and I agree with you. I put Oklahoma there because they're undefeated, because they, A, because this is another thing that's really important right now. How much do you control your destiny? Because here's here's another thing I'll give you. There's one team who's not even in this top 25 who still controls their destiny in the Big Ten, and that's Wisconsin. Wisconsin put Iowa, who the committee had at number two, Wisconsin put them on notice, was shutting them out in the first half. Yeah, not Iowa the other way around. Wisconsin was shutting Iowa out, and they scored three touchdowns. So, Wisconsin controls their own destiny, but back to Oklahoma, who I have at number four. Oklahoma also controls their destiny. They're going to have to win the Big 12 championship, but honestly, this is the issue. Everyone else, like... You have to be a solid pick for the committee to throw you in. And right now, after, honestly, after Georgia and Alabama, like, and everybody has issues that you can point to and say that would get you out. You know we're in a crazy year in college football when you have Wake Forest at 10, UTSA at 16, Houston at 20, Coastal Carolina at 21, SMU at 23 and 24 is the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. At 25 is Fresno State, okay? So the power schools are not running the playoffs this year. But Oklahoma does control their destiny. Caleb Williams, I think, is probably going to end up winning the Heisman. And Oklahoma is going to get into the playoffs because they're going to win the Big 12. Now, what have I told you before about Oklahoma in the playoffs? They've now scored 200 points. Since they've been in the playoffs, they've dropped, they've had two over 200 points dropped on them on defense. Okay. So do not be fooled. I don't care how good this Oklahoma defense is Oklahoma or how good their offense is. Oklahoma also played in a close game with Tulane first game of the season. So, and they played and you can say, Oh, well that was Spencer Rattler. Caleb Williams played in a close game with the Kansas football team, not the basketball team, the football team. Okay. So, Oklahoma still has issues, but again, they control their own destiny so they can get in. Three, you have Michigan State. Look, 
I have a similar issues with Michigan State that I have with Cincinnati and Oklahoma where Michigan State barely beat Indiana. An Indiana team that Penn State rolled. So this chain of who beat who is not playing out as seamlessly as we would have thought it would. Okay? But Kenneth Walker had five touchdowns against a Michigan team that I think is very, very good. In fact, I think this Michigan this Michigan team could beat Ohio State. And if we're if we're crossing I's and dotting X's, however the expression saying, I would probably go Michigan at eight. Because if Michigan beats Ohio State, then Michigan therefore controls their destiny um, if Michigan State were to lose again. So, Michigan State at number three. Number two, I have Alabama, as I've outlined before. They've had seasons where they didn't even play in the SEC championship and they still ended up winning the national championship, which you can say, which I have said, that's unfair, that's stupid. But again, at the end of the day, with any sport, what are we really trying to do? We want to know who's the best team. And while you can say they disqualified themselves by not playing in a, in a conference championship, and I agree with you, they did prove to us that they were the best team in the country by beating who we thought was the best in that situation, which was Georgia. I I think the Texas A&M game was just a really good game. I think Texas A&M wanted it more than Alabama did. Like, you could just see that grit and that want to, especially when you saw A-Chain return that kick return for a touchdown like you they just had the want to right so i think alabama is probably gonna end up making the playoffs unless by on some unforeseen miracle but i think they make it and then at number one we have georgia i don't need to give it to you any straighter than this if you didn't watch the florida game here's what happened Georgia drives down first drive of the game, misses a field goal. Florida, same thing. Back and forth, Florida, Georgia ends up getting a field goal, and it's 3-0. There are three minutes left to go in the first half. Florida ball, and Florida's getting the ball back at the half. Okay? The Florida football team has the ball on the one-yard line, and they do a power with Anthony Richardson. Nolan Smith comes up as they're pushing the pile and Nolan Smith linebacker for Georgia rips the football out. Georgia scores a touchdown right there. Then Florida gets the ball back and you have what makes this Georgia team special. The pass rush. N'Kobe Dean blitzes up the middle as he's about to sack Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson dips the ball out to the check down. Another linebacker tips it. I believe it was Tyndall. And Nolan Smith is right there, catches it, and then they go down and score another touchdown. Then there are, I think, like 30 seconds left in the first half. And at this point, I think you should just be licking your wounds if you're Dan Mullen and just get out of the half because you have lost all momentum. It's 17 to 0. And this is the thing before I tell you if, well, so then Anthony Richardson throws a comeback route, and Nicobe Dean, who is a linebacker, a middle linebacker, Nicobe Dean, is covering on the outside, picks the ball off, runs it 50 yards for a pick six.
this is the thing that people don't get about the Georgia Florida game. One of my buddies texted me. He's like, "Dang, they're they're in a close game with a with the Florida team that doesn't look that good. That's not even ranked." People don't get this about the Georgia Florida rivalry. It's unlike it's the only thing I would compare it to is Ohio State Michigan, because if you if you're a fan of the Big Ten, you know no matter how good Ohio State or Michigan is on any given year, that rivalry is always close. And if you're just a spectator of the game, you know that game is always entertaining. The Georgia-Florida game is the exact same way. That's why the first half was so close, because there's so much hate in that rivalry that it overcomes all the talent that may or may not be on the field. And that's why the game was so close in the first half. And then Georgia, their defense scored basically scored three touchdowns. I mean, they ended up getting the ball on their own side of the field for two of those, and then N'Kobe Dean ran the third one back for a touchdown. My only concern with Georgia is, and I do have a concern, as I am a homer, I have a concern. Stetson Bennett should have thrown four to five picks in that game against Florida. There were four to five, so he threw two, which I absolutely agree with. Like, I, I, I had no arguments to say oh that shouldn't have been picked or this is why he did that Stetson Bennett just made five absolutely terrible throws and two of them ended up coming down in the hands of Florida defenders he has this complex I don't know if it's because he's short I don't know why it is but he has this mentality that he feels the need to prove himself the chip on his shoulder is a little bit big and I'm telling you right now that is not going to cut it against Alabama if Kirby wants to win He's got to start JT Daniels because Stets, because while JT might not have the athleticism that Stetson has, Stetson will turn the football over and will get so many passes batted down by trying to do too much. So George is not unbeatable either. The offense is good, even considering that they're out. They've been out most of their the top half of their receivers for all the season. But... It, this is a very wide open shot. Do like I understand that Georgia has the highest odds to win the high, win the college football playoffs in Vegas, but do not be misconstrued. Do not be confused. This thing is wide open between honestly Ohio State, Oklahoma, not Oklahoma, sorry, Ohio State, Michigan State, Alabama, Georgia. I think whoever wins the Big Ten is going to end up. It's either going to be whoever wins the Big Ten winning the playoffs. Or it's going to be whoever wins the SEC. If you're betting money, I'm telling you, either put money on Bama or Georgia because one of them's coming home with it. If Bama doesn't make the playoffs, this is what this is what I'll say. If Bama doesn't make the playoffs, if Georgia finds a way to beat them in the SEC championship, put your money on Georgia. But if Alabama finds a way to squeak in, which I think even if they lose their playoff, their SEC championship, they could still get in. I think they do, and I think they could win it, and it'll be a repeat of 2017 because it's a nightmare that lives in my head rent-free, unfortunately. So... That is your college football world. That is that is the world that we live in in terms of college football right now. On to our, our next story. Zach Wilson is in a little bit of trouble. So, if you never heard of this guy named Mike White, you're just like every single other NFL fan in the world. So, Mike White... Went for two touchdowns passing yesterday. One touchdown receiving. Yes, he also caught a touchdown for the New York Jets. And he threw for over 400 yards. 
And he's not the only backup quarterback to be an absolute stud yesterday because Cooper Rush beat the Vikings and Trevor Simeon. Yes, that dude that the Broncos were way too high on who ended up putting absolutely nothing up. He ended up beating Tom Brady in the Bucs after James Winston went down. But I think the one worth talking about most is Mike White. Because the whole the Cooper Rush thing is like, yeah, that's exciting. But it was a 13-13 game with two minutes left to go. And Mike White, or Cooper Rush actually threw a pick on with two minutes left to go. Throws a pick. And the Vikings cornerback, Brashad Breeland, ends up like it bounces off both of his hands and he essentially just tips it back to the Cowboys receiver. And fun fact, the Cowboys end up coming up with no points. So I'm not going to be wowed by Cooper rush Trevor Simeon. I mean, I think that just goes more to say about Sean Payton than it does about anything else. I think Sean Payton is the offensive version of bill Belichick, except he knows how to smile and have a good time. Plus Sean Payton's way cooler because he's sponsored by Jordan. Only coach to be sponsored by Jordan, fun fact. Okay. But the Mike White thing is interesting because there's two teams that I think we've been saying more than anyone else have been looking for a quarterback and haven't been able to find it at all. That's the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. The Browns have kind of found it with Baker Mayfield. We'll see how that goes going forward. But we thought, and you've heard us talk a lot here on the trophy room about Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's one of the guys we love to make fun of. We love to talk about Zach Wilson may or may not be that guy. And and if you listen to Jackson's side, Jackson believes he is that guy and that he's going to come back. And I've never really been of the mindset that he's definitely not that guy, that he's definitely not the future quarterback for the New York Jets. But I haven't seen any kind of solidarity and consistency that's let me say, Okay, yeah, I think Zach Wilson can be the guy. So Mike White, which I don't even know where Mike White went to school. I'm going to look that up right now because I genuinely have no idea. Okay, so here's where Mike White went to school. You'll never guess. He's not from the Big Ten. He's not from the FCC. He's not even from a Power 5 conference. He is from the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. So, WKU, that is Mike White. So, so one of the one of the biggest criticisms of Lamar Jackson that everyone has always had is well, can he play from behind? And that was the that was the biggest drawback on Lamar Jackson for the longest time that he's been in the NFL. And he's dispelled that, I think. He's been in a lot of shootouts, a lot of close games with good football teams the past two seasons, and he's dispelled that. So, but I think that's a good rule of thumb for any quarterback. Okay. How good are you when the game is really on the line and you can't just manage your way through it? When you have to actually get out there and play football. Mike White, again, ended up with 400 yards, two touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. This is why it's so impressive. They were in a shootout. Like, it was a back-and-forth game, which means you have to go step-for-step step with the other team. And when the other team scores, you have to be willing to say, okay, hey, let's go out there and put points on the board. We can do this. And 
let me remind you, it's not like Mike White had this amazing offense to come into. He didn't have like a Julio Jones like Matt Ryan has or a Derrick Henry like Ryan Tannehill has to say, okay, just lean on this guy, throw it up, and he'll lead us to victory. Mike White doesn't have that, which I think goes to speak more of how good he is. Okay, so Mike White, Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, we love to see it. Mike White comes out and says, okay, bet, let's go. And let's not forget, we were arguing who was the best team in the AFC North. This division with the Browns, the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Ravens. As of, as of two days ago, the Bengals were the leaders in the division. Like if the season were to end today, the Bengals would have led the division. They would have made the playoffs. And the Ravens would have had to get in as a wild card team. So there's a very good 5-2, and two, I guess 5-3 and three now, Bengals football team. With some of the best, their receivers were absolutely elite yesterday. If you go back and watch that game, spectacular catches by T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. This was not an easy game by any means to Mike White. Which I just feel weird saying that name because Mike White has to be the whitest name in all of sports. I feel like I'm reading a script for a bad movie about some high school in Texas. Mike White at quarterback. But yeah, that's his name. Okay. Oh my gosh, just Mike White. I feel gross saying it now. I, I'm sure he's a great guy. It's just such a, I don't know, it's so generic. Anyway, Mike White. Mikey. Beat a very good Bengals football team. Beat Joe Burrow, beat Jamar Chase, beat T. Higgins, and a very good defense. And the offense, I'm going to be honest, wasn't that dissimilar from the offense they run with Zach Wilson. He had quite a few screen plays, quite a few just double slants. A lot of it was checkdowns. But one of the issues that I've always had with Zach Wilson is that he leaves the pocket before he has to. The pocket is clean, and he chooses to leave anyway. It's kind of like the guy who's in the relationship, and things are going great, and the girl's great, and that's what scares him. It's a little bit of a red flag. He leaves the pocket before he has to. Mike White did not leave the pocket before. And sometimes, that's this dichotomy between the running quarterback, the dual threat, and the pro style is oftentimes the issue with a dual threat quarterback is you have to have a balance. With a pro style quarterback, you don't have to have a balance because they can't move. They have to sit in the pocket. They have to wait for that route to be open. Because when you swing out, you end up buying more time, which can be helpful, but it also changes the route combinations because guys are essentially just trying to get open and it's organized chaos in the field. And if you're Zach Wilson, sometimes that comes as an issue. Mike White did an exceptional job yesterday at just sitting in the pocket, taking hits, and making throws. And the final score of game, he scored a receiving touchdown on the Philly special. The thing that's even more concerning about this is that when Robert Sala was asked about it, Robert Sala went ahead and said, anything is possible. Again, Mike White didn't have a game manager game yesterday in his opening game as, and here's the thing. He has played barely any snaps at all. He was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in the fifth round in 2018. And he's been the Jets backup quarterback ever since. Now he threw two interceptions yesterday, but 
that's not incredibly concerning because Zach Wilson's basically does that every week. And he also had three touchdowns. So Robert Sala came out and said anything is possible. And I think if you're a Jets fan, if you're a Zach Wilson fan, you should be concerned because there is now a quarterback controversy in the city of New York. Mike White, anything is possible. Okay, next up on the docket. I don't know how long of a story, how much time I'm going to spend on this. Jackson and I had this conversation the other day. But in the NFL top 100 plays from last season, the number 100 play was an incompletion. And you say, well, how's that possible? Well, if you watch the Super Bowl, you know that Patrick Mahomes was essentially throwing darts that just weren't catching on the board. And, and what I mean by that is he slung so many passes that were elite ball placement that just bounced off guys' hands. And there's the one where he rolls out, he's horizontal with the ground, and then he flicks the football. And there's the one where Vita Vea has him wrapped up. He spins around, still being held by Vita Vea, and flicks it downfield, and the guy also drops that pass. I'm not going to go as far as to say that Patrick Mahomes has ruined football or ruined the NFL. But Carson Wentz yesterday, and Carson Wentz isn't the only quarterback to do this, and I'm not making excuses for Carson Wentz because we know how much of an I don't want to say idiot because I, I was starting him in my fantasy team for a while, but Carson Wentz has this play yesterday where he's backed up in his own end zone. It's supposed to be a screen play, and because it's a screen play, you let a lot of the rushers free, and he ends up getting wrapped up, and instead of just taking... I guess at that point he would have been taking the safety. He ends up throwing it over the top to a wide receiver. Um, over the top to a wide receiver, or uh, the running back, and ends up being picked in return for a touchdown. And you saw this a couple weeks with Jaron Hall for BYU. I just... People have to understand what talent they do and what talent they don't have. And most people do not have Patrick Mahomes' arm talent. Same with Josh Allen yesterday. It works for Josh Allen. Josh Allen can stiff arm guys and then flick the ball downfield for a touchdown. Most guys can't do that. And it's similar, like we talked about earlier, to when Steph Curry just started shooting threes from everywhere. Some kids just, most kids aren't built for that. Most guys are not Patrick Mahomes. And the issue is, it's coming to light and coming to see that Patrick Mahomes might not even be Patrick Mahomes anymore because the Chiefs are now 3-3. Three and three. And we thought they were going to lead this division by a mile and we thought they were going to win the Super Bowl by a mile. But what we're coming to see is, they talk about live to see another day, live to play another down. Okay, so sometimes... And this issue of Bo Nix has, an issue that Zach Wilson has. Sometimes it's just better to take the sack. Which I know is hard to believe for some people, but sometimes it just is because, and this is the Chiefs issue. I don't know if anyone realizes this, but four games into the season, the Chiefs had a 100% red zone defense. Meaning that 100% of the time that the Chiefs got into the, the red zone, the Chiefs' defense got in the red zone. They gave up a touchdown. Also, holy cow, we just got breaking news that the Rams just traded for Vaughn Miller. Oh my gosh. 
Von Miller. So the Broncos sent Von Miller to the Rams for two late round 2022 draft picks. I don't know how that makes any sense, but wow. Okay. So Chiefs defense is absolutely horrid. In fact, you, I, I would argue there's some college defenses you probably could put in there that wouldn't go 100% giving up a touchdown in your red zone. But the Chiefs do, and that's the issue. We live in this world where everybody wants to be the gunslinger. Everybody wants to be Julio Jones. Everybody wants to catch touchdowns. Everyone wants to throw touchdowns. Everyone wants to score points, run all these cool plays that the Chiefs do, and all these trick plays. Those can only work... And slinging the ball like Patrick Mahomes can only work if you have a defense to get you out of holes. We forget, but like the the mantra used to be and still should be, defense wins championships. The best offense is a good defense. And Georgia knows that. Georgia scores plenty of touchdowns on defense. But the thing is, even if Stetson Bennett chooses to throw two interceptions, the defense can still have his back. And the Chiefs had that. That's the reason they got into a Super Bowl match, into a Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers. Because you had Chris Jones, you had Tyron Matthew, you had uh, Frank Clark, who were all playing elite football. Not just decent football, but elite football. And Daniel Sorensen, who plays for the Chiefs, is starting to look like an absolute liability. And I love Daniel Sorensen. But he's a liability. And he's costing you points. And again, you can only rely on slinging the football around and being a gunslinger like Patrick Mahomes is if the defense has your back. And unfortunately, the defense doesn't have your back, especially when you're playing in a division with two of the best teams in your conference. And the Broncos aren't that bad either. But the Chiefs are 3-3 three and three right now. So the question is, have the Chiefs been figured out? I don't think so. Because you still the offense is still the same. Like, I think there is an issue with the fact that they don't they are not able to run the football. That causes you a lot of issues. You can't pass that much on first down. Because the difference with running on first down and passing on first down is Passing, you're, you're either guaranteed to get yards or the alternative is you get absolutely zero yards. And especially if the team knows you can't run the football, they don't have to send that many guys. They can just drop people back or blitz. Either way, they know what you're going to do on first down. And first down dictates how the rest of the downage goes. So people want to say, are the Chiefs done? I don't think they're done. I think the offense is going to be okay. I think you still have Tyreek Hill, who's one of the best receivers in football. You still have Travis Kelsey, who's top two tight ends in football and maybe one of the greatest tight ends of all time. So, are the Chiefs fine? Are the Chiefs done? The Chiefs are not done. They're fine. They're okay. They're 3-3. Three and three. They're 500. So, they're going to be fine. Question is, are they going to make the playoffs and get back to a winning streak? I don't know the answer to that because I don't care how good your offense is. If you have no defense, you're not getting away with anything. It's the reason that the jets are decent. It's because their defense is decent. So 
I, we'll have to see in the coming weeks what the Chiefs choose to bring. They're playing tonight on Monday Night Football, so we'll get to see a little bit there. There's a lot of questions about whether or not Odell Beckham should be traded. I, I'll get into this story very almost not at all. Because here's the question. It's the same question I have about Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons, I think, is a better deal than Odell Beckham, respectively, in their leagues. What does Odell Beckham give you? I would know because I, I own I have him in fantasy. He's pitiful. He's absolutely terrible. And if you watch him run routes, he's not even selling to the DB at all. That it's like... He almost looks like he doesn't want to be there. I don't know if it's because he's hurt and he's playing through it. I don't know what the deal is. But people are like, oh, it's not whether a question of if he should be traded. It's where should he be traded. When should he be traded? Yeah, maybe. But who would want him? And what are you going to get back for him? Because you have to understand and have to be willing to roll with the idea that you might not get very much at all because nobody wants him. Again, same with Ben Simmons. Like, you got to roll with this idea that, yeah, you can get something for him, but it's not going to be something. It's going to be something, right? Odo Beckham, same deal. Yes, he was super elite when he played for the New York Giants. And then he went through his diva phase, and that's why they dealt him. And ever since he's gotten to Cleveland, it's just never really looked like he wanted to be there outside of one game against the Cowboys last year. Yes, you could trade Odell Beckham, but you're not getting anything back from him. And maybe he just needs a new environment. Maybe he wants to be somewhere else. But if if you're with one of those people, like if you have one of those people who who says, if you're one of those people who says, I'll be happy when, you'll never be happy. If you say, I'll be happy when I have 500K in the bank, when you have 500K in the bank, you'll say, I'll only be happy when I have one mil in the bank, when I have two mil in the bank, when I have three bill in the bank, Right? You just got to love the game of football. And I think that's what you're seeing from these other two LSU receivers drafted to the Vikings and the Bengals. Two very mediocre, you could argue, subpar football teams. Justin Jefferson balls out. Jamar Chase balls out. But that's the thing. And that's the difference between me and other people. People are like, oh, dude, like, all you do is put graphics up on the screen. Like, you don't even, you're not commentating. You're not in the production department, like you don't edit any of the videos. I'm like, dude, I'm just happy to be there. I'm just so grateful to be there. Now I'm not satisfied. I'm willing to work, but like, I'm just grateful to be working in that industry. You get the sense that Odo Beckham is no longer grateful and happy just to be in the league. Same with Ben Simmons, same issue. Same with Kyrie Irving. It's like, once you get to a certain point where you think you're worth something, as soon as the world tells you you're not, You'll never be able to get it back because you sold out. You thought you were more than you were and nobody came when you fell. So Kyrie Odell and Ben kind of all have a similar issue. Odell's been a little bit less of a diva, but he just doesn't look like he wants to be in Cleveland anymore. And he's not playing like it either. And he's not playing like his trade value would be worth him going anywhere decent. But we just saw that... (laughs) The LA Rams just picked up, uh, oh, and more breaking news. James Winston's done for the year. So, either Trevor Simeon, so maybe we'll have more talk coming up because they already said, they had already said that uh, 
they weren't going to go get Drew Brees, and they weren't going to go get Cam Newton. So I have no idea what the Saints are going to do. But Taysom Hill's out and probably not even a starter, even if he is in the league, even if he's healthy. So, again, more breaking news. But, like I'm saying, Rams traded for Von Miller. Maybe we'll see some crazy deal where somebody gets Odell Beckham Jr. I could honestly see, like, yes, they have maybe the best rushing attack in the NFL, the Browns do. But outside of that, like, the defense just isn't owning up to what we thought it was going to be. And neither is the offense. And Baker's not. It wouldn't surprise me if we see the Browns going to a dive here where they start rebuilding again, which is a bummer. But that's kind of how it is. Okay, so LeBron James. So everyone wants to say, oh, my gosh, the Los Angeles Lakers are 4-3. and three. Oh, my gosh. Like, look at LeBron. He's going downhill, first of all. Did you see LeBron James yesterday? Jalen Green looks like he's going to win Rookie of the Year. And it's only six, seven games into the season. The rookie out of Houston, which I believe. He looks like a physically gifted freak. LeBron James beat him down the court for a reverse dunk yesterday. LeBron is not done. Please stop. But it's like this. There's two types of people in the world. Eh, I shouldn't say that. But for for sake of this, like, I guess there's three types of people in the world. There's and and honestly, in every scenario, it's it's the bell curve. It's the what's that thing called? Man, I should have taken more math in high school. What's the thing? Standard deviation, right? There's like the middle. There's one end. There's the other end. I sound like I don't know anything about math, and that's because I honestly don't. I took one math class in college, and I didn't even take a math class my senior year of high school. Math is not my thing. I'm intelligent in other areas, but that is neither here nor there. Here's my issue. There's people who love change. There's people who hate change. And there's the rest of us who kind of accept it. But here's the thing, no matter how you feel about change, change is change, change is different, change is new. You have to adapt. No one is just, there are very few people who just can immediately adapt. Even people who love change do not immediately adapt when change is thrown their way. They just love it and so it is a lot easier for them. Do you realize that the same, like everybody's freaking out about the Lakers, right? Saying, oh my gosh, we're seeing the downfall of LeBron James. It's not going to work out. Do you understand, though? First of all, they have a winning record in the Western Conference. They're sixth in the East, or the West. Let's not lose our minds about this. LeBron James is doing what he's done every year. There, do you realize? Do you realize this? What's that saying? Those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. Is that it? I don't know. Do you realize that the media cycle is the same? Do people get this? And and you can say like, no, you can't even say technically I'm the media because I'm not. I'm a form of media, but I am not the media by any means, shape, form, whatever. I'm not that. I just happen to be a guy who talks on a mic. But you got to understand like the media has a calendar. Okay. Here's, here's the calendar as far as it goes to LeBron James. The first few weeks of the season, we say, 
oh my gosh, look at these plays by LeBron James. But it doesn't matter because their team is doing very poorly and LeBron James is on his downhill. And then at the end of the first quarter of the season, we say, wow, LeBron looks like he could be winning MVP this year. And then like two-thirds of the way through the season, we're like, oh man, he looks like he's worn down a bit because he's taking breaks off or, oh, he sprained his ankle looking like uh, he might not be able to do this. And then at the end of the season, we say, oh my gosh, LeBron James, he's losing basketball games. They're sliding in the Western Conference. They're probably not going to even make it out of the first round. And last year, were you right? Yes. But guess what? The year before that, they won a championship. Cleveland Cavaliers won a championship. Miami Heat won a championship. Do you realize every team he's ever been on, he's won a championship. And every single team he's ever been on, it's always been slow. It's never worked out perfectly. No matter who you date, everybody says you'll know when you know, right? When you know, you know. When you meet her, it'll be easy. But guess what? Even when you first start dating that girl or even maybe when you're dating, everything's great. And if it is, awesome, good for you. But here's the thing. Every single relationship comes with challenges. And I'm not even talking about intimate, romantic relationships. I'm talking about every relationship you'll have for the rest of your life is going to have challenges. The people I want to ride with are the people who are going to say, look, I see this issue, but I'm going to raise you and we're going to figure this thing out. It's kind of woman I want to marry when she sees the issue and she says, hey, look, you and I are having this issue. That's okay. We're going to figure it out. I'm not going to be happy with you the whole time. You're not going to be happy with me the whole time, but we are going to see the end of this thing. It's the same thing with LeBron James, people. Every team he's ever been to, we won a championship. Every single team he's been to where he built a new team, it always worked out like this because nobody clicks perfectly when they first all get together, especially when you got 11 different dudes. Okay, Rondo, not super fuzzy. Malik Monk, he's new. Anthony Davis, he has his own issues. Carmelo, he's old. Like, you gotta, and Dwight Howard, he's got an ego. You have to fit all of these pieces together, and that's okay. So, understand that this is just a cycle that we've seen every year, and I'm telling you, I just gave you an outline of what the next seven months are gonna look like. This is exactly what the media is gonna do because they have an agenda, they have a narrative. I just call it how I see it. I'm not concerned about LeBron James because there are a few rules that I believe are fundamental in life. One of them is this. You never openly bet against Nick Saban and you never openly bet against LeBron James. Like those are two bets that can save you a lot of money. You might win every now and then if you bet on Texas A&M. But if you were betting on Texas A&M, you weren't betting on it because you thought you were smart. You were just betting on it because you were drunk one night or because you were a hardcore Texas A&M fan. But you know, like you didn't think Texas A&M was beating Nick Saban. And before the series started, if you bet on the Phoenix Suns, you didn't think they were winning the finals. And you probably didn't even think they were beating LeBron James. You just don't do it. Okay? LeBron James is going to be fine. The Los Angeles Lakers are going to be fine. Am I going to guarantee you that they're going to win the finals? I don't know. I don't see that many threats in the Western Conference right now. But I'm telling you, LeBron James is going to be fine. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to go to at least the second round. Everything is going to be normal. But this narrative that we just run in circles about that, oh my gosh, LeBron's struggling so much. Oh my gosh, he's going to get hurt. Oh my gosh, he's taking games off. Like, let's stop. Let's call a spade a spade, which is like, I honestly, that's what I should, I should call this podcast 
spades are spades or call a spade a spade. I don't know because I'm calling it exactly how I see it. I'm telling you exactly what it is. Speaking of what it is, this is just a fun fact. Uh, John Gruden's probably going to fire a lawsuit. Yeah, you thought this John Gruden thing was over, huh? John Gruden might fire a lawsuit, file a lawsuit against the NFL because he's claiming that they leaked private emails when he was no longer working for that company. I don't know how this will go, but legal experts are saying he has a case. I took a law class two semesters ago. So I could break it down, but I'm going to be honest. I don't remember anything about that law class. But if you are in college and there's some kind of like intro to law or sports law, I recommend taking it because it's super fascinating. Um, Other news, Colin Kaepernick released a new show on Netflix. And I'm not even going to get into the politics of it. But at one point, there's a scene that everybody's freaking out about where – they have all of these NFL guys lined up like they're at the combine. And then like the scene morphs into a slave auction. And it's not even that they just compare slavery and playing in the NFL. Like they're making an assertion that playing in the NFL is like being a slave. Okay. Which you can feel how you want about it. Burgess Owens used to play for the Oklahoma uh, the Oakland Raiders. He's black. He's and he's a he's a GOP representative um, for Utah. He said, quote, how dare Colin Kaepernick compare the evil endured by so many of our ancestors to a bunch of millionaires who chose to play a game. End quote. I'm not gonna get into this super, but I will just say Pretty much everyone in the world is an employee. Like we're all, we all answer to somebody. Even if you own the company, you probably answer to some kind of board of trustees or something like that. If you don't like the company, if you don't like how much money you're making, then go somewhere else and see if your value will command you making more money. But getting paid millions of dollars and comparing it to slavery to me is sad. I think it's disrespectful to those who actually went through slavery. And am I going to say that there's no racism in the NFL and that everyone's super nice in the NFL? No, I'm not going to say that. But I think it is so disrespectful to these people, these amazing heroes who experienced slavery. I think it's disrespectful to say to them, yeah, us getting paid millions of dollars to play a game that we chose to not even do any real work to play a game, that's the same thing as what you went through. I have a hard time believing that if we could speak to those people today, that they would say what Colin Kaepernick is doing is the same. It's this idea that hate sells, right? Hate sells. That's why... That's why every time you flip on Fox News, you see freaking out about Joe Biden. That's why CNN made all of their living off of Donald Trump. And that's why they're making a living off of how people disagree about the vaccine. It's because hate sells. And we have to remember that just because you disagree with another person doesn't mean you can't love them. You can still love people you disagree with. In fact, you should. Not you can. That should be the world that we live in. That's the kid we should teach our that's the world we should teach these kids to live in. Okay, you feel one way about the vaccine. Okay, you maybe feel a little bit extreme about the vaccine. You and I can still love one another. 
There's the quote from Star Wars that only Siths deal in extremes or absolutes. And while it's a Star Wars quote, it's I think it rings true. Right? I don't know if Colin Kaepernick really believes this thing about slavery in the NFL. I do know that Colin Kaepernick grew up in a pretty good home. I His life wasn't that tough growing up. He didn't grow up on the streets of Compton or anything like that. He got to go to college and get a free education. He got to go play in the NFL. He chose to make a political protest. And as an American, you have every right to do that. But as an employer, if I don't like the choices that you're making and I feel like they are outside, like, and here's the other thing. Even if I don't think you're a good quarterback, I can fire you. If I feel like you are starting to ruin some of my clientele and divide my clientele and cost me money, I can fire you. I don't have to rehire you. And the thing is, is there's 32 different companies that could have hired him, all of which a lot of them have similar political beliefs as Colin, but they knew that it was more about, it wasn't a narrative worth saving. And again, I don't think we live in a perfect world. I don't think that I believe racism exists, but I find it incredibly disrespectful to say to our, not my ancestors, but people who came before me, people who I think are American heroes to say, yeah, you being forced to work and make no money is the same thing as NFL players getting paid millions of dollars to play football. Nobody forced you to play football, Colin. If you don't want to, you don't have to, but you don't get to say, I should be making this much money and I'm not. Therefore, this is racism. Therefore, this is slavery. That's all I'm saying. I just want to give respect to those people who came before all of us, who are true American heroes. Those people deserve more respect and this is disrespectful to them and I'm not okay with that. Because I think we should herald them as, as as heroes. I don't believe in focusing on, yeah, we can talk about the villains, but I think people who truly believed in racism and slavery, those people are just morons. They're not people we should herald. They're just idiots. They're stupid. They don't deserve any of our attention at all, at all. The only attention they deserve is for us to tell kids that is absolutely unacceptable. And that's it. But people who experience slavery are true American heroes. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. True American heroes. And it's unfortunate and it's so sad. Despicable that they had to deal with it. But I don't get to back in time and make that choice. We just get to look at what they did and the choices that they made and how they chose to respond to life and they chose to work and be true American heroes. Like that's what it means. To me, that's what an American is, is those people. Those people were more American than any of the people who quote-unquote owned them. So Colin Kaepernick, I say, I'm very sorry and I'm disappointed. And I don't agree with you. And if you want to protest, awesome. And there's a lot of protests that I disagree with that I will absolutely try to love and understand. This is not one of them. You have every right to have every opinion you want. And he has that right in this country to have this opinion. But this is not one that I'll be trying to understand. I'll say maybe something rough happened to him as a kid. 
maybe things were said to him. Maybe he was held up in a certain way. But to dictate this narrative that getting paid not only six figures, like seven figure, high seven figure salary. And let's also remember this, Colin. I don't want to out Colin Kaepernick or anything. But Colin Kaepernick got paid more money to be a Nike sponsor than he did to play in the NFL. But my question to you, Colin, is when Nike doesn't want to re-up your contract, does that make them slave owners? No, it absolutely does not. And to even think about that, just saying that sentence, repeating that as an analogy about what Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick believes makes me honestly kind of sick. Because racism is disgusting. Absolutely appalling. But so is this comparison. I understand that you feel... This is the one thing... Like, I can't even really begin to understand where he's coming from other than this. I understand if you feel that there's too much of one race making up the percentage of a certain job. If you feel like there's too many white owners, I can understand that. I don't agree with you, but I can understand that. My argument would be, well, can I be upset that there's no, there's one white cornerback in the NFL? Is that racism? No. And I get it. Maybe it's a little bit different because it's less about meritocracy and more about cash. But I'm going to be honest. I don't know how much, like, it's not like there's just thousand people, thousands of people who apply every year and get to own an NFL franchise. Like there's not a lot of turnover in that job market. There's 32 spots and most of them are held by families, people who really want it. And so it's not like it just comes up that there's 32 new owners every year and we just pick white ones every year. I don't want to live in a world where We want to make everything equal based on the race that is involved. I want to live in a world where we give people who are the best at it the best job. It's the same reason I don't want more white cornerbacks in the NFL because I don't care about what race you are. If you're the best person for the job, then I want you to have the job. The reason I love Mike Tomlin is because we didn't, like, the Roonies didn't give Mike Tomlin the job because he was black. Mike Tomlin absolutely deserves that job regardless of what race gender ethnicity sexuality he is he earned it he deserves it because he's the best at it but again it's absolutely so sad and not even to make the argument that it's like slavery but to double and triple down on it to making a netflix special where your assertion your main argument is that slavery is the same thing as playing in the NFL because your boss is white. It's really sad. Um, But again, that's why we choose to love one another. And if we see people who are unbelievably racist, like I saw the other day, because it does happen, you just walk up. you, You honestly, there's not a lot you can do with those people who are super racist. There's not a lot that you can't do. You can walk up to the person who's been so wrongfully wronged and you can say, hey, what can I do? I love you. I walked up to this drunk guy who was being racist at Sam's Club the other day. And I said, hey, don't speak to her like that. Don't speak to my mom like that. 
but honestly, here's the thing, you can't reason with people that are that stupid. Most of the people that are that racist are just dumb, and unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do about it other than just understand that they're idiots. They deserve no time, they deserve none of our attention. So, that being said, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Hopefully, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll see how things go. But, uh, cheers.